0: You're listening to the NFL on TuneIn. It's No Huddle with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart.
1: Let's find out as we take you around the league with a great friend of the program, Nick Ferguson, former NFL safety, my co-host. This Sunday, every Sunday, first and goal, seven hours commercial-free live listen-ins across the league on TuneIn Premium. Nick, happy holidays. How are you?
0: Happy holidays, gentlemen. I'm doing well. How about yourselves?
2: Doing great, Nick. We appreciate you. I made a Statement about the Jacksonville Jaguars, and and I somewhat believe this because defensively, they arguably have the best defense in the National Football League on every level. Um, And also, you have an offense that's pretty good, but it's all about Blake Bortles. Um, When he hasn't thrown an interception in eight games, his team is 8-0. Over the last three weeks, he's thrown seven touchdowns, no interceptions, and completing 71% of his passes. If he can continue to play the way he's playing, Based on how this defense plays in this running game, do you see this team having a chance to be in the Super Bowl?
0: Absolutely. Um, And and it is why it's great to talk to you, Cordell, because uh, this formula that I'm about to mention, you are quite familiar with it, especially coming from Steeltown and and Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, One thing that they've always done well, and they've run the ball well. And when you look at the fact of uh, Leonard Fournette and what he's been able to do, with the Jacksonville Jaguars, I know he's been kind of banged up or whatever, but that couple with kind of a resurgence, if you will, of Blake Bortles has definitely changed the tide in Jacksonville and has everyone dancing to a different tune. I I remember uh, being on the program with you two guys earlier in the season And it just seemed as though it was just defense and running the ball with the Jacksonville Jaguars. But when Blake Bortles, just just like you just said, when he's not turning the ball over, it really gives his team an opportunity to win and beat anyone in the NFL. And I go back to the game against the Seattle Seahawks. That was a statement game for Blake Bortles and the organization. Yeah, I know we can say, well, the Legion of Boom wasn't what it used to be, but being able to match point for point with a guy like Russell Wilson, who's been to two Super Bowls, to me that's just said that maybe Blake has finally decided to block out all the white noise and really just focus on becoming a better quarterback. So the Jacksonville Jaguars have a massive defense that no one wants to face. And when you have several guys on your front seven and your two starting corners and Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Bouye both going to the Pro Bowl, that puts everyone on notice as far as the playoffs. And, I know the Pittsburgh Steelers lost a heartbreaker last week, and the Patriots are still the team to beat. But I don't think anyone wants to face this Jacksonville Jaguars team if Blake Bortles continues to play the way that he's playing.
1: Chatting with Nick Ferguson, the former NFL safety. Nick, prior to Carson Wentz tearing his ACL, I had the Philadelphia quarterback winning the MVP award. That's not going to happen. Looks like Tom Brady's clearly now the front runner. If you had a ballot and you could fill out three names and do it in the Reverse order. We'll go 3 two, one Who are your top three MVP contenders and who's going to win the Covenant Award?
0: Well, starting from the bottom of the list, I know you, know, you guys may or may not uh, agree with this, but I want to start with Todd Gurley. I know, you know there's a lot of conversation about Todd Gurley winning the award, probably outright based on what we saw him do last week against Seattle and what he's been doing and how much he means for Jared Goff, Sean McVay, and that Rams offense. But I still feel as though Antonio Brown is, I mean, you look at what MVP stands for. He personifies that in just how valuable he is. Just look last week. He went out of the game and made it so much easier for the Patriots defense to defend what the Pittsburgh Steelers were trying to do. And not having him in the lineup definitely is going to change what the Steelers do with the offense in the last two weeks. So it's Todd Gurley, A.B., and then it's Tom Brady. And I know that seems like an obvious choice, but I'm going to go off the narrative that everyone's been talking about since the beginning of the season. He's a 40-year-old quarterback. It's never been a 40-year-old quarterback to go and win a Super Bowl. He could definitely be the first. And I know over the past couple weeks he hasn't looked great in the last three games, but he's still a sensation of Tom Brady. He showed last week against the Steelers that he can lead the offense down the field in a critical time and still punch it in the end zone. He just – Makes the whole team believe that anything and everything is possible. And two, be, you know, amassing the numbers that he has at this particular point. At the age of 40, even though I disagree with that, I mean, how can you not give it to Tom Brady? The only reason that someone can have an argument for not giving it to Tom Brady is for the fact of saying, well, he's won it before and he's won several Super Bowls. Other than that, I mean, there's no reason why Tom Brady should not be leading on everyone's list as far as being
2: an MVP of the NFL. Puff, puff, give. Give it to someone else that has a chance. Why not, heck? Uh, but if he deserves, <laughs> if he gets it, he deserves it, Nick. You, you know that. He's really been playing some consistent football, regardless if they lose or not. He's the reason why they've been good. But speaking of being good, the Atlanta Falcons, um, they've been so inconsistent this season. Last year, this was a team that only had 10 drops last year. Now they've doubled that with 25 to even 30. Uh, this year, Matt Ryan in the last three games, he's been in the mid-50s when it comes down to completion, a portion of his game. And, and they've kind of been up and down. Uh, what kind of team is this Atlanta Falcons team as they move forward to try to beat the New Orleans Saints this weekend, um, as well as beating Carolina in the last game?
0: Everything starts with the quarterback position, Cordell. And f- for me, when I look at this Atlanta team, they've been consistent at being Inconsistent. When you look at Matt Ryan's stats over the past, you know, four weeks, he only has three touchdowns. And that's going to be hard to do against uh, the New Orleans Saints, the team that they need to beat. Cause they need to beat the Saints, and they need to beat Carolina Panthers, two teams in a division all fighting for that first playoff spot in that division. And also, you know, looking at how Matt Ryan, to me, it seems as though he's kind of tapered, you know, as far as what he needs to do as far as execution standpoint inside the red zone. I really don't have a lot of belief in this team, and we we talked about it at the very beginning of the season. Will there be any residual hangover with this team from the loss in the Super Bowl? And you ask anyone in the Falcons organization, they say no. But when you go out there and you can't put points on the board inside the red zone, and now you have to rely – on your running back Devontae Freeman to really carry this team when, when it was a pass-first team, to me that says a lot. So we're going to find out a lot about Matt Ryan and who he is as a quarterback when they face you know, a Saints team that now has a healthy Alvin Kamara because they escaped that last game. If Drew Brees doesn't throw the interception, then the Saints just run away with that division. Now they have the division outright. So I want to see what Matt Ryan's going to do in his second time against this Saints defense.
1: Staying around the league with Nick Ferguson, the former NFL safety. Nick, I'll take it back to Sunday when we're doing first and goal together. We watched the Giants jump out to a 20-7 to lead over the Eagles. Second quarter, Nick Foles was cool when he counted four touchdown passes and the comeback win. Given that Foles was once the MVP of the Pro Bowl, if the Eagles have home field advantage, how much are you buying Foles guiding Philadelphia to the Super Bowl?
0: You know, when we first saw that, uh, when uh, Carson Wentz went went down, you asked me the question before we ended off our show: uh, How much faith did I have in Nick Foles? And I said at the time, didn't really have uh, too much faith in him. But uh, you know, hey, that's a great thing about being in business—you can see things from a different side and different perspective. So I'm going to dance to a different tune. I mean, you just talked about Nick Foles and what he was able to do, being uh, that fact that he's a Pro Bowl quarterback. He has the ability to do that. And the one thing I like is all the pressure isn't on a uh, Nick Foles that, as though it was maybe on Dak Prescott when Ezekiel Haley was out. Now he has some weapons around him from an offensive standpoint that really helped him out in the game against the New York Giants. Now his defense somehow just fell apart, but if they can kind of come together and build up all, off this, you know, the fact that they gave up so many points against the New York Giants they still have a chance, and they still are believing in Nick Foles because he was in Philly before. I mean, he put up stats in Philly. I believe he's, what, maybe 21 and 16 as a start in the NFL. So he has won some games on his belt. So now it's just everyone else getting on the Nick Foles train and helping him help them get to where they need to, and that's in Minnesota for the Super Bowl.
2: Nick, do you see Ezekiel Elliott being able to have a good game against a Seattle defense, Seattle Seahawks defense that got ran through by the Rams with Todd Gurley, knowing that he's been out for six weeks because of the suspension? But hearing the conversations about uh, basically he's he's been able to keep himself in shape, he's gotten much thinner. Do you see him having a big game against them?
0: Yeah, I mean, you you just mentioned the fact that the, the, the day that Todd Gurley you know had, it was just like wow. You know, it was like a hot knife through butter. And I don't believe I've ever seen a running back run through a Seattle defense the way I saw Todd Gurley. And the biggest thing, and, you know, there was a lot of controversy this week when Earl called out Bobby Wagner. And Bobby Wagner had to check himself and say, well, you know, maybe Earl was right. So with, you know, Wagner, who's kind of like the that on that second level at the linebacker position, still nursing a hamstring injury. And the weather, you know, still may be a factor in that it's going to be very difficult for Seattle to slow down Ezekiel Elliott. I know the idea is that he's missed six games, Yeah, he lost weight, but where is his condition and endurance going to be? To me, if you're Ezekiel Elliott, you want the ball. You want to prove everyone that said so many things about you in the time that you were off, you want to prove them wrong. And for me, that's a problem for Seattle because he has fresh legs. That's the other side. You're out six weeks. Right? So your body's not taking that pounding that you were taking at the beginning of the season. So you're fresh. So if I'm Jason Garrett, I'm going to hand it to him at at least 30 times because we know a guy missing six games, it may take him a couple of carries to knock off the rust. but we know he's a grinder. He's a baller. I'm going to hand the ball to him, and I'm going to chew up the clock, and I'm going to knock out the Seattle Seahawks.
1: Nick, last one for me. According to reports, Jeff Fisher wants back in. He's looking for a new gig, a reminder – He's tied for the most coaching losses in the history of the NFL. Will he be coaching next year in the National Football League?
0: Well, there's a possibility he will, but it may not be at a head coaching position because just like you said, I mean, he doesn't have a great win-loss record, and teams now, they're desperate. They don't, have, they don't want to wait five, six years to kind of get to the playoffs and, and think about getting to the Super Bowl. Everyone is in a win-now mentality. So we could see both maybe Jeff Fisher and Marvin Lewis on someone on staff as maybe a consulting or a, defense, uh, a defensive coordinator, because we know both men you know, have done a great job as far as being defensive coordinators, but as far as a head coach, I think that's, that ship has sailed.
1: Nick, as always, we appreciate the information. We must be in the holiday spirit because Cordell, I thought, was going to go after you with our devotion when it comes to the Jaguars. He beat me up <laughs> in the previous segment, but he was far kinder to you. Well,
0: well he, you know what, I, when, he, when he led with that, I was waiting with bated breath, like, okay, well, here we go. Let me take a deep <laughs> breath. Cordell's about to go on one of his uh, rants, but instead of Case Keenum, it's going to be about the Jags. But he did not do it, so he didn't play the Grinch today, but there's still time for time. Sunday for him to pull it out.
2: Well, here it is. This is the thing, Nick. All year long, you never bit on the bait because Jacksonville was playing good because last year you did make a statement of how good you think the team could have been Brian on the other hand he chooses to say my team in the Jacksonville Jaguars, when he knows he didn't even pick the Jaguars to win the division, let alone even say much about them. Because, you know, I would call on, the, and you guys are showing first and goal, and I would get on you both of you guys, because I'm like, why aren't you guys talking about the Jaguars? Because they're about as hot as it can get. So that's why I did, Nick, because you honored what you didn't commit to this year. But that guy on the other side, that guy, my Jags. Oh, he drives me. I've been, I've been talking to him for five really years, Cornell. You're
0: not always... There to for our conversations on First and Go every every Sunday on TuneIn, but we talk about the Jags, and it's just like when you call in and you want to go in on the Jags, there's no need for us too because their play speaks for itself. There's no need for us to gloat and boast. Thank vote. you, Nick. We well, mean, do, do, I, you know what? So I, I like all
2: that. that. I like all that stuff you're talking right there. But you both did not say one single word about the Jaguars. So now you're both sticking your chest out because the Jags are doing good? You both are pretty We don't have to. That's why you guys are together them for to. seven hours. Last year. We picked them last year.
1: We were ahead of the so curve. So you picked them
2: last year yeah. as opposed to <laughs> you know, picking them every year like you've done five years prior to last year. Or this year, right? We didn't say what, is, what right?
1: year. We said they were going to the playoffs. We didn't specify a year. Nick, get out of here. Go do something more hey, Nick, rewarding than bickering with All right.
2: Thank
1: you, Nick, we'll see you <laughs> Sunday.
0: You've been listening to No Huddle with Brian Weber and former Steelers quarterback Cordell slash Stewart. Live on the NFL on tune.
2: 20, 15, 10, 5 touchdown.
0: The National Football League is on. Tune in.